Hey, I'm Nate. And I'm Aaron. And this is the Unconquerable Podcast. We talk about jiu-jitsu. Music. And a little bit about life. Today we're going to talk about the ADCC World Championships that happened over the weekend in Las Vegas. All right. For those who don't know, why don't you tell us a little bit about ADCC, what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people talk about it kind of being like the Olympics of grappling. Uh, it started back in 98 and they had their own stars at the time. Things have certainly changed a lot by then. Um, back in 96, the IBJJF World Championship started and predominantly gi. And this was a forum to have more no-gi competitors. Although at the time you could still use a gi and there have been competitors who have used gis, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense for this application. Uh, there's been a huge rise, especially with Gordon Ryan in no-gi jiu-jitsu in the last few years. And ADCC has really become the uh, forum to put the best jiu-jitsu players against the other best jiu-jitsu players. It's not just jiu-jitsu, it's also wrestling, sambo, uh, judo, everything. But jiu-jitsu is the heart and soul of it all. And, um, and it's really blown up this year. 2022 has been the biggest ADCCs by far. I was able to go to the 2019, and that was amazing. Gordon Ryan dominated. He was the clear star. We had breakout stars like Lachlan Giles, and uh, it, it was amazing. But 2022, there's a lot of people that we put on the map that we hadn't seen before. Guys like Owen O'Fonagan, like who knew this dude coming from Britain was going to come on leg lock Mason Fowler, who's absolutely incredible, tapped out Craig Jones twice, and he gets heel hooked. It was something else. Yeah. So a quick question. Um, you could wear a gi. Could you still wear a gi? <laughs> yeah, so there was a competitor, and I forget his name. He's, he's kind of a goofball competitor. I'd have to look him up, but he wore a gi at the ADCC trial, or a gi top anyway, so he kind of did like the Sambo thing. So he people could grab the gi. Yeah, and he got choked out immediately. Of course. But, so I think the rules still allow you to, but no one does. But so, but if you wear a gi, then people can grab your clothing, but yeah. obviously if you're not wearing a gi, you can't grab it. Yeah, so there's not really any advantage unless you're going to use the gi to wrap someone else up, which is very yeah, limited yeah. in comparison to what they can do to you. Yeah, yeah, Unless you're going against someone in the gi. Um, so we can't talk about everything that happened at ADCCs. There were 96 competitors. The way it's broken up is there's five divisions for the men. It goes between 66, 77, 88, 99, and 99 plus kilos. And then with the women, I believe it's 60 plus or 60 minus. And there's only two divisions for the women and there are eight people in each division versus 16 for the men. So it's a much different uh, bracket. Obviously women's grappling is coming up. It's become so much bigger than it ever was. It will continue to grow. But at this point, the number of superstars uh, in the women's division is still less than the men. Yeah, so sure. that's obviously represented at the ADCCs. The men were still the superstars. But Theon Davies, oh my gosh, he absolutely murdered it. You know, she won ADCCs against Bia Mosquito last ADCCs in 19. So uh, is that like points, ref decision? No, she finished her. If I oh, remember correctly, geez. it was a triangle arm bar. And this time, she just completely wrecked her again. Okay. She threw with like a hip throw, took her down, finished it. It was just like absolute dominant fashion. I can't remember the submission off the top of my head, but she completely dominated her. And it was so funny because after she won, uh, she had such a deep belief in herself. She immediately put her hands up. She goes, I fucking knew it. That was her immediate response to winning. Yeah, that's amazing. Another thing we sh you should add is that ACC is every two years, which is supposed to like most competitions are every one year. So yeah, it's like, I, I always explain to people that it's like, you know, Olympics is every four years, mm -hmm. Super Bowl is every one year. Mm -hmm. It's like bigger deal than the Super Bowl. Yes. But like slightly stepped out from the Olympics. It's, it's been such a buildup, especially with COVID over the past yes. year. So, the big so thing it has been more than two years. How three long years. Three years, okay. So last one was in 19, this one in 22. The reason why was that they have to have the trials. So with the trials, they have to get those things going a whole year ahead of time. Yeah. So if you go back two years, it really wasn't in a place to do trials. Everything was kind of unsure. 
a lot of gyms still weren't open. Things in California were like pretty much shut mm -hmm. down. We had certain mandates. Uh, when we opened our own gym here in Victus Training Center, uh, we were kind of unsure we'd even be able to do whatever we wanted. Uh, thank God it worked out and we we're able to run our school without restrictions and class limits. But when we started a year ago, we didn't know. So that's the same thing with ADCCs. They really didn't know what it was going to be like, if they're going to be able to have spectators or any of that stuff. So it was a three-year break. So the amazing thing was in those three years, people had a chance to revolutionize their game. So mm -hmm. the people that we knew were able to completely revolutionize what they do. And a lot of people were able to come up that we hadn't seen before. The beauty of companies like BJJ Fanatics and just YouTube and just all these access, all, all these access points for uh, great jiu-jitsu, we're able to see the best of the best and study what they do. Mm -hmm. Owen Flanagan, like he's one of those guys that just says that he wants most of his stuff just watching YouTube. Craig, I mean, Craig Owen, Jones, same thing. Yeah, looking at Owen Flanagan, I mean, you turned me on to him because I texted you. It's like, what should I watch? And yeah. Like, the Mason Fowler match. What'd I mean, you think? He's amazing. I'm, I, I love him. I, I noticed that his game is a lot of like, a lot like the, the Danaher guys, like his yeah. leg entries and everything. It was a lot like that. And um, I mean, I just am a huge fan of him now. I just, his, yeah. his demeanor on the mat and his type of game is very much one that I like, would like to emulate. So, um, you know, you yeah. turned me on to him. There's a lot of people that I learned about. You turned me on to uh, Baby Shark. And actually, <laughs> so, uh, is it Diego Pato? Yeah, another guy. That guy, I thought that was Baby Shark. Because you, oh. you told me to check out Baby Shark. So I went mm. and I thought Diego Pato was Baby yeah. Shark. So I watched all his matches. And I, yeah. that guy's, I love his style. It's dangerous. Pulled man. guard right from the beginning and so aggressive from guard. That's so like kind of the kind of game that I really like is when people pull guard. I know a lot of people don't like pulling guard. But people pull guard but then are just insanely offensive. I mean, if you, if you can be dangerous from there, I think it's a pretty powerful thing. Like uh, obviously Pato is a great example. Um, I think Roberto Jimenez is another great example. Yeah. Someone that has an incredible close guard. He Obviously. has a lot of back attacks from there. Obviously, Gordon He's, is incredibly... Yeah. I mean, close guard is a very dangerous weapon. I heard a lot of stories about Marcelo Garcia having one of the strongest close guard games that anyone had ever experienced who went to his gym and rolled with him. Really? Yet he never did it in yeah. competition. Yeah, he preferred yeah, yeah. open guard. Uh -huh. um, so it's a very dangerous weapon for anyone and everyone. I think some people just choose to use it more. Yeah, yeah. Well, not that Gordon uses close guard, but... Pulls guard on the Not much. Pulls, he, he puts did. his foot out to take me down so I can play guard. <laughs> he had to do that with Nicky Rodney. Took him down pretty easily. And pretty much Andre, too. I mean, he didn't put his foot out, but, like, he let Andre take him down. You could see Andre when when Andre, like, after Andre took him out, Andre was like, oh, oh, shit. Like, I, sh <laughs> Oops. Like, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But Gordon just totally let him get that takedown. Well, you, you know, uh, with Andre, he kind of went in with like that blast double. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know for sure whether he caught Gordon a little bit off guard or not, but Gordon certainly accepted it. Yeah. He went down without a problem. With Nicky, he just baited him. He just let him have the single leg because yeah, he just wanted to play stuck guard. Stuck it up in the air. And, uh, silly. you know, obviously with Nicky and Gordon, they've had a lot of training together. Yep. They're both from Danaher's team before yeah. uh, Nicky broke apart and started the B team with uh, Craig Jones. Uh, they were trained together all the time. Yeah, yeah. And Nicky's dangerous. I mean, he's so explosive. Obviously. He's so uh, unpredictable. Um, it was his, awesome. His, like, physical intelligence, like, athletic intelligence is very high. You tell yeah. just the way he moves and the way he passes the guard and just he gets that body lock and just, like, he just does this quick move and all of a sudden he's passed Felipe Pena's guard. Like, yeah. that was his, obviously, his instincts are just, he's he's a born talent. Like, he's athletic. Yeah, like, he knows talent. how to move. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One of the most interesting things about that uh, little background story, uh, Gordon, you know, and Philippe don't necessarily get along, but for Gordon, a lot of things are just showmanship and 
just trying to get more viewers and, um, you know, egg these guys on to accept the yeah. competition, to accept the fights. But he actually went to Philippe backstage before his fight with Nicky Rod. And he said, hey, man, don't do any of that 50-50 shit you do. <laughs> he goes, just one thing. Make sure he doesn't get body to body with you. If he gets yeah. chest to chest with you, it's done. If yeah. he gets in that body lock position, he's going to pass you. And Philippe just kind of... Yeah, well, well, I understand. This is a secondhand story. But then Philippe went out and did it, and Gordon just goes, <laughs> Well, how is how <laughs> Philippe going to know that Gordon isn't fucking with him? It's true, but I think, you know, maybe a common enemy, right? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. uh, Gordon probably, I think he wanted to see Philippe in the final. I think he wanted to make sure he faced him. Yeah, yeah. I think that was really his yeah, biggest yeah. motive. I don't think it's necessarily that he needed to see Nikki lose. I think he knew who's going to win that fight. I think he just wanted a second chance to beat yeah, the yeah, shit yeah, out of Felipe yeah, yeah. Yeah. and actually finish the fight. Exactly, because the way it ended, I'm sure he. It left a lot of fans like, ooh, who knows what would really happen in ADC match, yeah. ADCC match. And uh, I think Gordon wanted to like settle that. And that's why after he won, he's like calling out Felipe, like, let's go right now. Yeah, you want to make it definitive. I think if Mo had given the go ahead for that. Well, I, I think they were hoping it would happen. Yeah. For sure. And I know after he won ADCCs and it beat Gaval, he gave a uh, kind of a call out to Felipe said, hey, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll fight you right now. I'll Let's give you a half hour to warm up. Let's do this right now. <laughs> and uh, of course, it, it didn't happen. But Felipe has beaten him twice. Yeah. And Gordon's beaten him once. So I'm yeah. sure a big piece of him would love to finish it and make it very definitive. And, and yep. Felipe, you know, unfortunately that day, uh, Leandro Lowe lost his life. And uh, Felipe and Leandro, I believe, were close. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's a lot of heartache there and a lot on his mind on the day of the fight. Um, so, you know, you got to give Felipe a lot of credit for showing up and fighting. But, you know, there was also some weird stuff there where Philippe had uh, asked for more money and mm -hmm. Flo had paid them more, paid him more, which I don't think had anything to do with heartache. So it was, it was a very weird kind of a situation. And Gordon put him away. I mean, Philippe gave up. Mm -hmm. He broke and he gave up. Also, Gordon, I think, swept him twice. You know, so if it was a points match, mm -hmm. Gordon had it. And obviously, towards the end, you could see Gordon was starting to turn it up and Felipe was running out of gas. 100%. And, you know... I, I just think that that rule set, no time limits, mission only, no one will beat Gordon in that. That's his yeah. That's his thing. He's a master at wearing people down. Yes. You know, I think if you really want to challenge Gordon, probably the best rule set would be like, hey, it's a five-minute match, and we determine who wins at the end of five minutes. So if someone could be very explosive for five and minutes points. and constantly attack, and you have to start on your feet, and you go against a yeah, good yeah. wrestler, it's like, you know what? It, it might be an issue. Yeah. Um, well, I think, like, I, if Andre, if Andre and Gordon had stayed on their feet, the whole, f until points happened, which I think maybe was what Andre was hoping was going to happen. Yeah. And then one points, one points happened. If Andre, I think Andre hypothetically could get a takedown on Gordon. Yeah, he's, he's then, got a lot of good takedowns. And then, but, and then if he could just stall the rest, although they were giving out, there's one of the things I want to talk about is the penalties. Mm. Um, they were very liberal with some of those uh, negative points. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know, I don't want to start controversy, but like, it seemed like they were awfully liberal with the Atos guys. The points. I don't know if that's because mm. they kind of were expecting Autos guys to play like a stally game. Mm. But I was watching Lucas. I think the two that came to mind: Lucas Barboza and uh, uh, Kynan Jones. Yeah, Kynan and Craig Jones, and they were giving out penalty. I'm like, they look like they're trying to pass the guard mm -hmm. as hard as they can, and they're getting a penalty. Yeah, or a, not a penalty, a negative point. Yeah. Um, and I was, and then I was watching. You know, Reese just yet today. Actually, I was watching some of the. Uh, uh, was it 66 mm -hmm. and there was th not that many penalties yeah. and well those guys move but there were there was a lot of what it was like nothing is going on they're stuck mm. here that this would have been 
Kynan had 10 penalties yeah. for working what looks like much harder. Was it that? I thought it was eight. Maybe it was Maybe. 10. I don't know. I was like, he could lose this. He's up like eight, zero. He could, now he has nine negative points yeah. or something. It was crazy. Yeah. So, so uh, there's a little clip of Craig talking mm -hmm. off to the side. You yeah, might have seen that. this. Yeah, so yeah. It was just before they awarded the match to Kynan. And he said, judges are trying to help me. But yeah, yeah. Like, no, he said, he's like, Kynan he didn't won. deserve all those penalties. He's like, they wanted me to win. Yeah, that, that could be some of it. I, I think one thing about Atos guys in general, very talented guys. This isn't a slight on them, but one thing Dan Hurd talked about in his post with uh, Gabao was that Gabao being one of the best tacticians mm -hmm. of all time yep. and Gordon being the best technician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it comes down to winning matches, a lot of the Atos guys know how to win a match. They're, mm -hmm. they're excellent competitors. Sure. So uh, Gordon wants to finish a fight. Uh -huh. So I think the ADCC guys were motivated to like, hey, let's keep this moving. Let's keep some action going. But, you know, Kynan gave a great speech after that fight. It's worth watching to hear that speech. I'm, I'm sure you can pull that. it up if you have a full grappling account. It might be on YouTube somewhere. But the crowd kind of booed when Kynan won. Yeah. Because, of course, Craig's a fan favorite. Yes, He's a course. very funny guy. Everyone would like to Everyone see him get first Craig. place for once. Um, Including the refs, maybe. <laughs> maybe the refs ran on a little. Uh, but at the no, end of the I'm day, he, he just lost. And uh, the crowd booed. But Kynan got up, and he, he spoke very eloquently about it. He just said, hey, guys, like, I need to fight my own fight. I'm not here to get leg locked. Like yeah, I came yeah, here yeah. to win ABCCs yeah. and I understand that you would love to see me get into a leg entanglement with him, but like, that's why would I do that against Craig Jones? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, of course. That's and of course cool. he came out to win. He did. Yeah. And Kynan is unbelievably strong. He, I mean, he definitively beat Craig Jones. He like, dominated him. Down. Yeah. He had double yeah. unders. He had great head pressure. He kept him down. Craig really didn't have any answers for it. Yeah. And it was, it was a definitive win. Of course, we would have loved to have seen kind of finish in some way sure. um, or progress a little more. But at the end of the day, uh, these are two of the best guys in the world going at it. And that's pretty impressive. Now, I think that's a match to watch. I think another notable match to watch would be really anything Wag Wagner Hosha. He showed so much gameness in this. Mm -hmm. But one in particular was him and Lucas Barbosa. Have you seen that one yet? I did, yeah. So... It was so interesting to watch because at times the the ref was like, "Hey, you guys are getting way too aggressive. There's a lot of slapping on those collar guys." Kicked them in the eyes. Kicked them twice in the face. It was bad. Once in the eye. <laughs> it was bad. Well, because after you know the fights, we all went out and I was out with Lucas Barbosa. He's wearing glasses inside. I'm like, "How cool is this guy? He's wearing sunglasses inside." Then I forgot he got kicked in the face, so that that made a lot more sense. When I so hard that. to the point where it's like, <laughs> like you're like, "Oh, you're just trying to push." I, I don't know, man. You, that's not a push. Like that was like the most aggressive push with his foot. Like. That yeah, was, that was an up kick to the face. Yeah, I don't know if he meant to kick his eye, but he meant to be aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what was interesting was the ref turned at some point where he was really trying to get them to rein it in. They're bringing up the uh, uh, out of bounds quite a bit, and they're just getting very aggressive with all the collar ties and obviously the kick and all that stuff. But at some point, he's just like, "You guys want to go? Fucking go!" And he just put it back to center, like, "Go!" Like he actually became the aggressor at some point, mm -hmm. like made them go at it. So it was really cool to let them kind of. Unleash it. You guys want to play rough? Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. both agree to these terms? That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, that's one that I, I feel like I, I missed his matches because I was, when I first was watching the matches, I was going through the submission ones. Mm -hmm. I was like, this ended three minute submission. I'm watching mm -hmm. this one, you know, five minute submission. And then a lot of, uh, oh my God, um, a lot of those matches were, uh, or Wagner's matches were like 15 minutes ref decision. Mm -hmm. So I was zero to zero ref decision. To me, that's like, okay, this sounds like it could, I mean, even knowing I know Wagner is going to be exciting to watch, mm -hmm. but like when all of his matches are 15 minutes ref decision, <laughs> zero yeah. to zero, it's yeah. like, okay, I'm not, but then I went back and watched them and they're yeah. all, 
he's crazy. He's he's so aggressive and so intense. And yeah. it's just interesting that he could be that aggressive and that crazy in all of his matches and zero zero repetition. I know that this rule says hard rule set to score points on, which I think is cool. Um, but then yeah. you have, you know, um, Cade submitting yeah. all everyone and his submissions. Yeah. We should talk about that because they just seemed like out of nowhere. All of them. All of them were yeah. like. Just to me, I you know, I know like one, I feel like what looks to me as a scramble to Cade is probably like a series of yeah. positions. But like they're like, okay, this is kind of even, this is kind of even or Cade is like getting getting beat and all of a sudden it's a scramble and all of a sudden he just grabbed an armor out of nowhere against like yeah. some world class world world class guys, obviously. Yeah. Uh, that was just crazy. It's one thing we talked about in advanced class tonight was uh I'd say a big difference I saw this ADCC's comparison to past ones was the the margin of error was so small. Yeah. The idea that you're going to take somebody down, pass their legs, pin them, and get to a submission was very unlikely. Yeah. Gordon was the exception. Yeah, he yeah. was able to do that. But most people is a very very small opening. The one I think of is Mika Gavao mm-hmm. and Kate Tolo. And I mean Mika is yeah. such a prodigy. Like yeah. what a special grappler. Yeah. Obviously his father Malky, uh, along with teaching Baby Shark and I think pretty much raising him since he was like two or three years old. Um, He's got some knowledge. He's clearly yeah. training these guys very well. Yeah. But that opening that Kate saw was so minute. All of and he's able to like, take that and take full advantage of it and get that heel hook yeah. and get a quick tap. That was beautiful. And, and I mean, who did you have for it? Because I was kind of thinking Mika Gavel was, was I thought Mika had it. Yeah. The other thing, too, is like Ty has kind of gotten a lot more of the spotlight in the last yeah, year or so. Because he's bigger. He's bigger and he's taking some matches. You know, he fought, um, oh, who did he fight not too long ago? Oh, he fought Craig. He fought a lot of people. And, uh, He's performing so well. Yeah. Ty's a beast, and he's a little bigger. So I kind of thought, like, is Kay just, you know, a step behind? And, uh, no. How were you feeling when uh, Ty lost to Hanger? the first round, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's where man strength comes in. Yep. I think two years of Ty growing into his man body. Yes. Yeah, so with Cade, I mean, he really put himself on the map. This was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not that he wasn't already on the map, obviously. He was but ABCC is definitive, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. There's a lot of guys that are good. Like people like Mikey Messamenchi, a lot of people think like, this guy's one of the best lightweights of all time. Yeah. Why wasn't he in ABCC? Well, he's newer to Nogi. Yeah. And this is, you he, know, as big as it gets. Uh-huh. So maybe he just didn't feel ready. Did he go in, or did he compete in any of the trials? Not that I know of. No, I don't think he did anything with ABCC. So I think he's, you know, getting his feet in the water yeah, with yeah. Nogi and maybe in a couple of years, it'll be different for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I or maybe ABCC isn't uh, a thing for him. I mean, he would do know? great. You think he would do that? You would hope, but here's the thing. What What is 66 kilos? Is it like uh, 145, something like that? Maybe. So he's fought as low as 125. I think he usually fights like 135. So he might be small. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys are cutting 10, 15 pounds to fight. Yeah. So if you're walking around at 135, and again, I'd have to verify. I don't know exactly what he walks around at. But if you're walking around at 135, uh, man, you're going yeah. against guys that are walking around 150, 160. Yeah, yeah. It's a big difference. For sure. For and sure. I think that's what you saw in the Josh Hanger and the Tyra Tolo fight. Yeah. You saw a guy with man strength. Yeah. A guy who also knows Ty's game. Yeah. Not those of guys. Yeah, they yeah. trained together a lot. Yeah, yeah. And he was able to really lock him down with that body lock and yeah, just wear him down. Kind of, and just... kind of the anti-Ty game because he's trained yeah. him so much. You know, and I was so impressed, honestly, because the thing is, when you look at the best grappler out there, it's undeniably Gordon Ryan. Of course. Sometimes you can get tunnel vision. And you see things through the lens of Gordon. Because if you're looking at the best, you're studying the best. Yeah. 
And if you listen to him, <laughs> exactly. he shits all over Josh Hanger. So bad. All so you can start to think this guy sucks at jiu-jitsu. Yeah, no, no he's very, very of good course. at jiu-jitsu. And that was one of the biggest things I got out of ABCCs was just how good everybody is. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, Gordon may be the best. But by but he's by the best by like such a huge margin. It is, but it doesn't take away yeah. how incredibly talented and hardworking a lot of, of these course. guys are. And people fight differently. People are exciting, you know? Like George St. Pierre would be a great example of an incredible mixed martial arts fighter, arguably the best mixed martial arts fighter of all time. But was he the most exciting? Yeah. Not at all. No. He won. He's a tactician. Mm -hmm. He's a technician. He's incredible. But you didn't see like Anthony Pettis flying off the wall, showtime kicks to the face. Yeah. You didn't see BJ Penn's beautiful mastery of jujitsu. Like you didn't see a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. George St. Pierre is incredible. Yeah. But there aren't these exciting fighters. Um, you know, the exciting fighter isn't always the best fighter. So to see Tyra Tolo go in the absolutes and just wreck. Yeah. Like he beat Futena. That was, yes. Futena, like that he, was crazy. That's crazy. That was crazy. Like he took him down. Yeah, yeah. Like this is insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I felt bad for Pena after the 80s because obviously Pena's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Just, he didn't do that well. Like he got beat by, you know, Nikki Rod yeah. and by Tyra Tolo. Like two people that I would have picked Felipe to beat. You know, obviously, like yeah. definitively, yeah. And then he lost, and it's like, dang! After he lost, loses to Gordon, and then got expected to see him making the finals of yeah. both of those divisions, you know, and he just didn't, and it was just—I mean, he must be not feeling too good. Right. Now. I mean, all you have to do is have an off day, yeah, an off weekend, and just to think, all the openings that you saw were so small. They were yeah. so small. Yeah. So Nikki took advantage of a very small opening. Yeah. You know, uh, just as Kay did when he was fighting Mika Galvao. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of fights that really stuck out to me. Obviously, I think anything with Wagner Hosha was really uh, special. Um, but there was a couple that stuck out to me that I want to talk about. And one of those uh, would definitely be Giancarlo. Yes. Uh, for anyone yeah. that doesn't know Giancarlo Bodoni, like, uh, this is his ADCC debut. He's never fought in ADCCs. Uh, did, you know him, did you know him personally before this? Yeah, I mean, we're not friends, um, but we had, uh, I, I bought the weights from the, for the gym off of Giancarlo. Okay. Uh, when he was moving, so he's teaching at Bernardo's. Yeah. Uh, he was down in Bedford, so only a half hour from us. And when he left Bernardo's to start training with Danaher, he moved and sold all his stuff. Mm -hmm. gotcha. So I got to know him a little bit then. I knew of him before. Mm -hmm. um, and then seeing him perform was. <sighs> yeah, huge fan. I, I mean, I didn't really know. I mean, I've seen him in some Danaher videos, but. After, yeah, a huge fan now. Incredible. To me, he's second to Gordon. incredible. Maybe, oh so, yeah. I think he's second yeah. to Gordon out there. I think Giancarlo. So if, if Gordon is the example of like loud confidence, boisterous confidence, like when he yeah. walks out in ADCCs, it's like, it's his event. Yeah, of course. He owns the mat. He's no, already yeah. won. He told his mother the night before, yeah. hey, I won ADCCs. Yeah, uh, yeah. I believe he did, uh, yeah, he said which is so funny. Um, I forget he used to do that. There was another Schwarzenegger. Yeah, before yeah, yeah. he did the weightlifting competitions, yeah, right? He tells yeah. mom that he won. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that confidence. There's a clip of him saying Something that. else. Yeah. Uh, but I thought Giancarlo displayed quiet confidence. Uh -huh. Where he was confident, and he came out, and you could just see the look in his eye. There were times where he was in trouble, and I would see him smirking on the map. There I was, was like, oh, my the, the, God. In the, in the Owen O'Flanagan, also Owen O'Flanagan is amazing. We just already talked about yeah. him. I'm a huge fan now. I didn't know about him before. Yeah. But Owen O'Flanagan was, like, attacking a heel hook or something, 
And Giancarlo gets him in that crazy like footlock, not quite a to hold, but a similar like mechanic. Like a spinning ankle like a lock, gable, almost it was like, like a, a gable grip, grip that, or like a wrist to wrist grip, yeah. and he just like cranked the foot and and he's just like smirking. He saw the foot hanging out there. He's like smirks and <laughs> and there's one I, I replayed it a few times because after he did that, he like kind of looks towards the camera and gives us. It looks like the most evil smile Bullshit smirk. Seen. And it's just incredible, like how he's yeah. just like Owen Flanagan, who just um you know. Looked like he broke Zanji's arm. Mm. Like obviously, Owen Flanagan is finishing everyone, mm. it, or I don't know if he finished everyone, but he was finishing people. He, he finished Wagner Hosha. Yeah, and um, and then to see Giancarlo just got in trouble there, and what wasn't was relaxed. he wasn't in trouble. Yeah, yeah. He, so I, I talked to Giancarlo after. So we okay. hung out after the fights, and um, I was like, "Man, your confidence was very high." He's like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I won. I knew I was going to win. Yeah. <laughs> but I said, but even when you were in leg lock danger but his heel was hidden yeah he was fine yeah, yeah. and again you got to keep in mind he's training with guys like gordon mm -hmm. so if gordon's trying to heel hook him and he can learn how to defend that yep then Owen flanagan's not going to be as big a threat as you might think yeah now just to show how dangerous a flanagan is when he was fighting Wagner hosha he got an inside senkaku inside heel hook on him mm -hmm. and then went belly down turned into a 50 50 heel hook and he popped Wagner's but hard. Really? He said he heard three distinct pops. And they weren't just like pop, pop, pop. It was like <laughs> And you can see in the clip <laughs> after he looked right at him and he goes like, Are you serious, man? Like <laughs> like he was sh shot. And Wagner is just being such a savage, looks at him, starts smiling, goes, Are you okay? <laughs> um Wagner's and his foot's so broken. Great. Of course he played it off like it wasn't, but then he's backstage, had a crutch. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> excuse me. So he has very dangerous leg locks. Very, very dangerous. Clearly. And he's attacking Giancarlo with everything he's got. Yeah, Giancarlo yeah. is very relaxed. Spins out of it a little bit. Turns his foot and his hips over so the heel is hidden. And he sees the foot flying. Grabs that, that finishes. I believe it's a spinning ankle lock from inside of Kaku. Yeah, when you're inside, inside of Kaku. And uh, we drilled that a little bit after tonight and kind of figured it out. And it's very slick. And it goes on very tight. I'll show you after. We can show it here. Yeah, if you like. Sure. I'll show you the best of my ability. So, if we're out here, and you have me an inside Sinkaku with an inside heel hook attempt, right? If I can turn, then I take away that danger immediately. This foot was out hanging. It was, right? It was, yeah. was kind of like, was it like this yeah. situation? And he was able to get his hands in here. Now, I don't remember the exact grip Giancarlo had, so I'll just do it to a whole grip. I know it was a little bit different. Like, if I grab here and I start to turn, yeah. it goes on very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Now, the way he did it was slightly different. I have to study it a little bit tighter, yeah. a little bit closer. But it's an extremely tight leg lock. I think he had like, it was like a wrist to wrist. Yes, part. he did. Beautiful. Yeah. So Giancarlo, just to run through who he beat. Isaac, he got in 0.60. I think that was the only person he didn't finish. He got a triangle on Mateus Denise. And that was a slightly controversial fight, but I don't really think it was. What had happened was they were going out of bounds. Mateus was working to his back. Um, Giancarlo was able to get out of it and get a body lock on him. And the ref stopped it. But slightly before the ref stopped it, I think Mateus put his hands up, kind of like, all right, I'll just hold position. But John Carlos holding onto the body lock. Uh -huh. So there's a little controversy about whether gotcha. he had yeah, the body the lock. Reset, was it? I, I think Giancarlo had the body lock. Gotcha. So the ref started again. <laughs> and Mateus was kind of still arguing with the ref a little, like, hey, well, what's going on here? And he goes, go. And Mateus immediately, or uh, Giancarlo immediately foot sweeps and takes him down. Okay. And from there, he just finishes the fight, okay. ends up getting a triangle, side triangle. Okay, yeah. Beautiful finish. So, the, um, uh, quick question. When they go out, because there was a, a clip that I saw, I didn't actually watch the whole match, but of Gabby Garcia and somebody 
where they basically Amy were Campo. letting them roll on the cement. So with Amy Campo, so the thing is, if they are working toward a finish, like a throw yeah. or a position, they'll let it go. Even on the, the cement. Because that was cement off the master, right? Wasn't they it? did many times. That's crazy. Yeah. Why do they mean, have more mats if they're going to let it go so far out of bounds? I mean, ideal, will die. ideally, jujitsu <laughs> should be played on a football field, right? Like, there should be enough room that you can really do anything. These mats aren't big enough to contain these people. And people play the game. And one thing about Gabby Garcia is you'll notice she constantly walks people out to the mm. corners. And I don't know if that's a tactical move on her part because she's so big yeah. that if she starts to drive you in, like, you're going to be very careful about doing any kind of setup for a throw because she could turn around and throw you in the concrete. So it makes people a little bit nervous. But not with Amy. Amy's like, fuck this. I'm going for it. Took her down. Out of bounds. I'm fucking cement. That's... Beautiful. And a lot of those things that I believe with uh, Lucas Barbosa and Wagner, you saw that as well. That it went out and they actually continued it for quite a while until position was established. That's crazy. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's really the only fair way to do it. If you just stop it every time it goes out of bounds and people are going to be in great positions and they're going to start to play the game going out of bounds. Of course, as people do. So it's like, hey, you want to play the game going out of bounds? Well, you're about to fight out of bounds. Do you want to fight on concrete? So like you're going to fight to stay in. So it changes the mentality a little. So I think yeah. it's actually the right thing to do, even though it's a little dangerous. Someone gets smashed on their head. And yeah. So after Mateus, I, I believe the next fight was Owen Flanagan, where he got kind of that twisting foot lock, ankle lock. And then he got a beautiful rear triangle on Heisen. I don't know if you know this guy, but this guy, Heisen Rita, yeah, yeah, yeah. he had a beautiful arm bar in Cyborg. Cyborg tried to take him that down. That was another one that was like a Cade Rutolo submission, right? Just like, what's going on? Oh my god, he has an armor out of nowhere. And but you could even see Cyborg after it was just like, yeah, <laughs> right. You got to give it to the yeah, kid. Like, yeah. that was beautiful. And yeah. he's so lanky and yeah, no, unorthodox. And um, I'm sure he's a very difficult guy to fight. Yeah. Uh, but not for uh, not for Giancarlo. Yeah, he had a beautiful rear triangle into a shoulder lock. Yeah. And finished that one. Which is right. He reminds me a lot of Gordon, which makes sense in training together. But like, Gordon once after the ACC talked about how. Um, one of the things is you need a lot of guys have their game mm. and they play their game where Gordon can play a different game depending on who he's going and he against. did and he did yeah he, he showed that he, he can play a completely different game and um, you know Giancarlo is kind of doing the same thing like finishing people in very different ways mm-hmm. and just is very like completely well-rounded where you think like well if you're well-rounded then you're gonna be like a you know master of none kind yeah. of thing whereas like not true not not Gordon yeah and, and clearly not Giancarlo they're masters of all it's crazy. They had very well-rounded games. Yeah. <coughs> very. And then he finished Lucas Barbosa with a rear naked choke. Yep, yep. It's a hard it. thing to do, finish Lucas Barbosa. His whole game is designed to like be points-based, positional-based. <coughs> Lucas is incredible. He's um, he's a great fighter. Yeah. He's so hard to submit, so hard to hold back. So it was incredible that he was able to put him in such a position, finish him, and he's fought him several times and not and, and lost. Oh, okay. So he came up with absolute confidence, even against people he's lost. Because well, he so. knew how much better he had. Since I think way. he knew he had the secret key. I think when yeah, you yeah. study with a guy like Dan Hur, you learn things damn near perfect. Yeah, yeah. And as good as we try to be as coaches, I don't think any of us have that level of intelligence. As Dan Hur, as Dan Hur, well, I mean, he comes into it with just like it's such detail. It's so studied. It's many, many years of practice. It's also it's, the only thing he does in life, right? Yeah. I mean, he's very, Gordon was very saying very that on the, on the Rogan podcast, like he doesn't even have furniture in his house. He doesn't have Wi-Fi because <laughs> he's like he's just doing jujitsu is so one dimensional. It's just jujitsu, and he doesn't compete. Yeah. So he's just a coach, just learning, just studying, just doing it the best yeah. thing he can to for his athletes. Yeah. No one else has that, right? No other athletes have that level. Of- 
I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some guys that have those types of coaches, but not with that level of experience, not with 20-some-odd years in New York City training with yes. the best of the best. Of course. And, and what sort of person can, can do that where they're just – they're no longer competing and they still – don't have a life outside jiu-jitsu for mm-hmm. how how many years you've been doing jiu-jitsu like 50 probably not dan well dan started a little later in life he actually started later than i did he was 27 okay he was getting his doctorate degree i want to say at princeton but i can't remember for sure in philosophy and um he was training at hensos and then i think he got his purple belt i think it might have been when Henso asked him to start teaching and things just kind of changed for him he decided to going to the jiu-jitsu world and mm-hmm. at that time he's training with like the matt Sarahs and all those kind of guys early mma stars and uh eventually became an mma coach really known for his like grapple boxing and george st pierre being like his, yeah. his greatest student yeah. and then after that he started to get more into grappling specifically nogi eddie cummings being kind mm-hmm. of the first one to uh kind of come out as a star and then from there obviously gordon and gary and everybody else and yeah. You know, just a side note about Gary, it was hard Poor to see Gary, him at 66. I, I think he should, he'd be better suited at 77. He, he looked, he looked emaciated. He looked skinny, almost sickly. Yeah. I think trying to lose that weight. I, I think I heard that he lost 40 pounds. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's. I mean, I always remember seeing him build up to the fight and be like, this guy looks. And those 66 kilo guys move fast. So yeah. Sam McNally got his back for a moment, got those three points won. I think if I remember correctly, that it was like one of those matches where it was like, Gary ran out of time at the end. Like he was like working towards had it gone fifteen like, twenty minutes. Or even like another minute or something like it's possible. It was like in the same thing with um Penna and uh Ty Rotolo. Mm-hmm. He was watching, it was like, okay, Penna has all the money. He's about to take Ty's back. Yes. Like he's and if this goes on, like Ty is just fighting for yeah, the last he, the time helped. It which also remind me of uh a, there's a few matches like that where you see it was uh Keenan Cornelius and uh Roberto Jimenez, I think. Mm-hmm where they had a gi match and uh, it was like Roberto Jimenez got up somehow and then the whole like last like minute and a half Keenan is like one inch away from taking his back or like getting the submission mm-hmm. and it was like okay obviously it looks like Keenan is better at jiu-jitsu but Roberto, Roberto Jimenez and that yeah. was I think if I remember correctly Gary Tony's loss looked kind of like that whereas like the guy with better jiu-jitsu lost this match kind yeah of thing. that happens you know yeah. sometimes the time works in your favor sometimes it doesn't yeah. just depends um, I think we could talk for hours about all these matches, but I think if we're going to make some recommendations, I'll, I'll make a couple yeah. of, of mine. Maybe you can make a couple, but I think all of Fionn's fights, but especially Fionn Davies against Bia Mesquita, I think is very important. I think Owen Flan again, especially against Wagner yeah. Hosha, but against anybody, Sanji was great too. Um, I think you got to study John Carlos fights. Yep. I think those were some of the best. Gordon was incredibly oh. dynamic, but we all know you're going to check out Gordon if you go on flow grappling and you have an account there. They actually have a highlight of all of his matches in a row. <coughs> so you can see all that stuff. Um, Heisum with uh, Cyborg, for yeah. sure. A very important fight to see. And uh, I think Ty Rotolo specifically in the Absolutes. Great in the mm-hmm. weight division, but the Absolutes, he really came alive. Especially. Anything really stick up to you? Well, obviously Cade, yeah. Rotolo. Um, I mentioned Cade against Mika Gaval specifically. Yeah, but yeah. All, the all of the, He finished all of his matches were submissions. And yeah. uh, they all seem to be like out of nowhere. And um, I really liked Diego Pato, who I yeah. watched all his matches because, and I think Pato is like his, not his last name. I don't know. Yeah. The Brazilian thing where they have like a bunch of names. I don't know. But uh, Diego Pato. Pato. Pato might be a nickname actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, all of his, everything his, like, I think like the match he lost, which was, I think the semifinals, both announcers, our commentators like picked him mm. as a winner, but 
refs didn't go that way. Um, the, uh, yeah, who else? I think you, you mentioned all the good ones. A lot of the ones I checked out were because you told me to check out. Owen mm. Flanagan, huge fan of him. He's from the breakout star. If Lachlan Giles was the breakout star of 2019 and Lachlan competed again, and, he was incredible. Well, I don't know. Gene Carlo might be the breakout star. Well, I, I, I think arguably, but I think Giancarlo, there was some, maybe it was a surprise to some people. Maybe I just knew he was very good yeah, going yeah. in. To me, I was less informed about Owen Flanagan. Okay, so yeah, going yeah. in and seeing I him. I never heard like, of Owen Flanagan. And a lot of people exploded seeing this guy. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. he's going to be one of those fan favorites. Obviously, he's a real likable guy. Craig Jones. And I talked course. to Owen after the fights. I mean, he's he's a sweetheart. He was just he surprised like and happy. And we, he's smiling we, and relaxed. We've like, been texting back and forth. Oh, really? And he's such a pumpkin. we got to like, get him on the podcast. I'd love to have him in. Yeah, yeah. when he has uh, BJ Fanatics, he'll come in. Oh, hopefully, okay. and can be a part of this. Uh, I talked to Jeff Glover about it. Jeff wants to come in and do one. Oh, man. Jeff's a little upset that I showed him up on the drums last time. He came over and hung out. Jeff plays drums? He's actually pretty good. He's got Is rhythm. He? But he like sat down and played. He's a little bit. He's like, do you want to play? He's like, sure. And then he's like passing the Johnny Blade. He's like, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, Jeff used to be in you know, the best. Uh, that's all right. He can smoke me on the mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, this is great. Yeah. Let's do more of these. Cool. Let's do it. Invictus Podcast. Jiu-Jitsu. Unconquerable Podcast. Yeah. Well, what's Invictus mean? Unconquerable. Boom. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu. Music. Life. All right. See you guys next time.